Blog Talk Radio. Afternoon, everybody. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in South Jersey, hanging out with uh, a very rambunctious thirteen-year-old, thirteen-week-old puppy. This is Arthur Balin, and coming to you from the great state of California, the immortal Patrick Toppin. If I could just get his microphone turned on mute. There you go. I'm here. I'm trying to make sure we don't get any feedback. But uh, how are we doing, folks? Welcome to the special Black Friday edition episode of BCI Radio, where we're coming off another terrible loss headed into another very winnable game. So, yeah, uh, let's just hop right into it and uh, let's talk some BC football. BC lost last Saturday by a score of 40-7 to um, at number 16th ranked Notre Dame. Uh, it was never really a game... No, I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, it was just never, it was never sort of in doubt for Notre Dame there. Um, BC had a one point lead for about five minutes in the second quarter. Um, and I don't think anyone expected that to last. So yeah, Arthur, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's just the same old game um, for, for for BC. I mean, you know, give credit to their defense. They held out as long as they could, um, but they just don't have um, the, the players uh, to um go up against a team with as good an offense as the Notre Dame and um you know they 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 bent for as long as they could but eventually you know it got to the point where they where they snapped and um the the wheels kind of came off and everything kind of fell apart um but like i, I think that game just kind of showed the gap between um you know teams like Notre Dame um, and teams like uh, like BC. Yeah, I'll be honest. That game was never even as close as it looked to begin with. Notre Dame dropped two pretty much sure touchdowns uh, in the first quarter and had to settle for field goals, which is why BC had a one-score lead. Um, originally, this game should have been you know fourteen to seven, twenty-one to seven going into halftime. And yeah, I mean. It was a, in my opinion, if Steve Adazio was fired um, after tomorrow, to me, I would look at it as sort of the culmination of the building problem in the Steve Adazio era, which is and always has been lack of competition with top teams. Um, As I was doing research this weekend, sort of just looking back on the Steve Adazio era, sort of prepping in case he does get fired, uh, what really struck me, I think, was that as you look at his first couple of years at BC, all of these games that BC lost to top foes were, you know, number one, Florida State. I think they lost in 2015 by three points. Uh, 
Um, I think they lost to Clemson that same year by four points. I mean, basically, BC has gone from being a tough out to an easy win on the schedule for these, you know, top 15, top 25 teams. And I just sort of, when Steve Adazio was fired, games like this where he's unable to overcome any level of talent disparity are ultimately going to be the reason that he doesn't keep his job if and I hope when he gets fired. So, Yeah, I mean, you, you look at, um, you know, that, that, that team from 2014. I was, I was at the Clemson-BC uh, game on campus, and I believe it was Tyler Rouse who dropped uh, a pass from Tyler Murphy that he caught that BC would have taken the lead and possibly won that game, and the trajectory of, of the program would be so much different. Um, in Florida State, that field goal, that three points was, scored very late in the game and BC was competitive throughout. Um, but you compare BC, the BC team from 2014 to this year, I mean, granted Clemson obviously has improved tremendously, but Florida State's regressed. And the, the fact that, you know, a couple weeks ago, BC struggled against Florida State should, should speak volumes. Um, and the fact that there's just the game against Notre Dame is no contest should speak volumes. Um, so, um, you know, I, I, I said this like, um, earlier in the week, um, there really isn't a whole lot more to say, um, about, uh, about this team. Um, there just isn't a lot of, of talent on this team. And there's, there's just like a very big gap on where they need to be in order to be competitive and where they are right now. And, um, you know, for the first time, I think in, you know, the career, of Steve Adazio, the, the youth excuse is actually kind of reasonable. Um, obviously, the, the defense had a significant amount of attrition last, uh, going from this season or last season to this season. But you know, at at the end of the day, um, you know, it's it's on him to make it work, and he just hasn't yet. Counterpoint also to that: this team hasn't looked like it got any better over the course of the season, and the offense has been yeah, sort of absolutely. No, city, but this, yeah, this defense has not improved at all over the course of the season. Um, there's no, there's no trend lines anywhere that would make you feel confident about this team going forward. And so, and this coaching staff going forward. So if, and if he gets fired, I don't even say when, because we have no sort of evidence or rumblings of that beyond that. Everyone else who listened to this hasn't already seen. And you know, I'm after last season. I'm I'm shocked that there is no. Uh, I don't even know if Steve Adesio would get fired if he won this game tomorrow. Um, we can talk about that once we get to the pit part. But uh, yeah, no, I mean this is this is this team has absolutely no momentum right now on either side of the ball, and there's a little bit on the recruiting trail, but I don't think enough that warrants um, any excitement. And so to me, it's about as flat a season as you could ask for. So yeah. Um, you can just look at the statistical domination of Notre Dame in the box score, and that says all you need to know. Yeah, we can move on. Yeah, I, I, that, that's the thing. I really just don't know what to say other than you know what we've said for the past like three or four weeks. Um, yeah, I I I I I don't know what to say. So, I, I, how about we just move on and talk about Pittsburgh? And one more time, this team has just not shown any improvements at all over the last, over the 
so it makes me, it doesn't, you know, it sort of wears your patience thin. And so ultimately, yeah. this team doesn't tackle better. This team doesn't take better angles. This team doesn't score more points than they did at the beginning of the season. So, all right. So now Boston College gets to head into a game with probably the most what-the-fuck team in sports, I'll be honest, the Pitt Panthers, there is no team that I've seen that is as all over the place, competitive one week, and useless the next um, as this team. They have been on a kind of weird run of form lately. They had two straight wins against Georgia Tech, um, 2010, and UNC, 34-27, to and then they were blanked by Virginia Tech last week. Um, 28 to nothing in a game that, like, I'll be honest, guys, like, the Pittsburgh offense didn't do anything. Pickett ended up with 103 yards in the air, and their leading rusher had 33. Like, they did nothing. Um, so, it's very, very, very tough to sort of identify what this team is going to try to do against BC. Um, they are a pass-heavy bad offense. They don't do anything well like super well that you would say like oh this is their bread and butter there's no running back with over 500 yards on the ground their quarterback is posted relatively average stats for the dc has played i mean the p5 level um it is 2500 yards 11 games 10 touchdowns and eight interceptions that's about as mediocre as you can ask for um yeah there's just yeah that's kind of basically it He's completing 60% of his passes. He's just a normal-ass dude. I like – yeah. The defense, though, the defense is legit. We'll get to that in a second. Arthur, do you have any thoughts on the offense? And It's sort of hard to know like what to expect as the BC defense going into this game because there is so – to me, if I'm you know Bill Sheridan, I don't know what Pitt is going to try to do. Um Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to get a pulse on it. I mean, what, what I'll say is I think um, it's probably going to try and attack the secondary for sure. Um, I, I think that that's that's a given for really any team that plays BC. Um, they're 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 going to try and make the secondary uh, work. Um, they're they're going to try and make BC beat them with with their pass coverage. Um, whether or not they can do that's a different story. Um, I, I, I tend to agree with you. I think it's very hard to sort of get a, a read on this. Um, I mean, I, I think you're underselling Pickett just a little bit. Um, but, again, he, he is inconsistent. Um, you know, like I, I, will, I will agree with you on that. Um, but the, the thing is, um, they – he certainly can turn it on at the right moment, and like if if this is a week he's on, that's 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 going to solve trouble for BC because they they've they, like looking at Pittsburgh from a BC perspective, I don't think um, I, I I tend to look at I, I I think the question becomes can can the quarterback make a weak BC secondary pay, and I think the answer is yes. Now will he is is a completely different question. Yeah, I mean, to me, if I'm looking at this, if I'm Steve Adazio and Bill Sheridan, I look at last week, um, the Virginia Tech game, 
and Virginia Tech did really well. What they always do is they bring a lot of pressure. They know how to uh, sort of rattle that quarterback early. And I don't expect BC to obviously hold Pitt to low points, but I think if they can force Kenny Pickett into making enough bad plays and force them him to beat them, which he can, and if they can force him to make enough mistakes, I think that is the only way that defensively you can sort of win this game and keep them at bay. I don't, don't think the rushing attack is anything you really have to – be afraid of they don't do anything particularly well on the ground either on the outside or inside game so yeah i think the offensive i think the match between the bc offense and the pit defense is where this game is going to get decided because this pit defense is nasty um they are 11th in the country in holding opposing yards to game opposing teams average 307 yards of total offense against them on just over four yards per play, um, this BC rushing attack that is currently averaging about five yards per game, and obviously you have that lethal combo, Dylan and Bailey, uh, is going up against a team that allows two and a half yards per rush. So this team, this defense is locked down. Um, they're about as good as Clemson as they are on the defensive line. I legitimately believe that, and the opposing team, what is it? Their secondary has held opposing quarterbacks to 50% completions on the year. Like it is, it is a legit defense. It is the defense that I think is going to give BC fits. And I think it's all up to uh, a creative rushing attack, which is not a given for Boston College to beat this defense. Yeah, and I'll, I'll throw one more thing too at you. I, I, I think this is a game that. Um, you know, the, the, the games where BC has blown teams out of the building, um, David Bailey and AJ Dillon bullied their way to that. Uh, like they, they ran rough shot over every single defense they play, or well, not every single defense. When BC ran away with games, um, it was always accompanied by Dillon and Bailey bullying um, defenses. Uh, that doesn't, this doesn't strike me as a case of something that's going to happen here. Um, I think that um, BC is going to need to have Dennis Grossell be able to keep the Pittsburgh defense off, honest. Um, because, like you said, this is a really good uh, rushing defense. Um, and, like, this is not a, a, a team that Dylan and Bailey are going to be able to bully. They, they, they can certainly be successful, but it's going to require um, um, the defense not, not being able to commit to the front every single time. Yeah, I mean, there are some guys on this defense that put numbers and just some nasty guys in twin. He's got 10 sacks on the year. They've got multiple guys with about four or five picks. Um, back and forth, really, really, it's like prolific, the right word to say. And they're also their cornerbacks to tackle really well. So I wouldn't expect a lot of yards after the catch on this either. I mean, they're a lockdown defense. And so I think that BC is going to have their hands full scheme around them and scheme guys open and scheme guys in the yard after the catch. Do I think – actually, I think – personally, I think Bajakian is more likely to win this game than Bill Sheridan is. Um, so, yeah, but this fit defense is legit and it's going to give BC fits all day. Um, I'm super excited. I actually – I think that BC is going to lose this game. Um, if I had – if I were betting money, I think that's sort of the – Win out of the field. He has not looked super 
especially the last couple of weeks, um, haven't really brought their A game. So, yeah, I mean, Arthur, unless you have anything else to say, that's more or less all there is to say for me on on this pit team. They play great team defense. They're going to be um, a hassle to take care of. Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of mentioned this before, but just kind of say it out loud. I mean, their their resume is kind of really all over the place this season. Um, you know, their, their first team of the year, uh, they lost to Virginia uh, at home. Um, Virginia is currently, as of this recording, playing for a berth in the ACC championship. Uh, but then they beat Ohio. They lost a, Penn, a really good Penn State team by seven points on the road. Then they beat a really good UCF team. We'll skip Delaware, but although that, that was a three-point game somehow. Um, but then they beat Duke by three points, beat Syracuse by seven points. And then the wheels kind of fell off a little bit. They only beat Miami – or they lost to Miami. They beat Tech, which they went to beat Georgia Tech. Um, but then North Carolina and Virginia Tech, they have two very concerning results with, like, an, only an overtime victory against North Carolina and then the shutout, which you just mentioned. Um, so – this this pit team has shown signs of brilliance, and they've shown signs of uh, mediocrity. Um, the good news for BC is the mediocrity has has manifested later in the season when BC is playing. So, even though you know BC is not playing its best football right now, neither is uh, Pittsburgh. Um, but I, I think to the point. Um, I think BC has, or excuse me, Pittsburgh has shown better, you know, like more pronounced signs of brilliance more so than, um, than Pittsburgh, or excuse me, than BC has. And that, that part is concerning. Yeah. I mean, I think that BC looks at that. Yeah. Like you said, the mediocrity is more recent on the schedule than the really good performances, but this is, I mean, Pitt has been a tough place and especially playing at Pitt, playing at Pitt has been a tough place for ACC losses have occurred there for lack of a better term. I'm Clemson losing in general. You know, well, yeah, because I, like I said, I'm not super excited. I don't think that BC's got much of a shot in this game. Um, regressed the last couple of weeks. And I think that AJ and Bailey can win this game in particular on their own. Um, so, final score 24 17 pit. Okay, right. Pit. Three more. I'll give Pitt three more points. Twenty-seven, seventeen. Well, we don't ever keep track of this, which we probably should, but I'm sure it'll come down to it. Um, Arthur, you want to speak at all on how BC hockey's been doing? Yes. Um, I mean, they've, they've they've been playing some excellent, excellent hockey. Um, um they're they're going to be playing in just a little bit. Um, at I be I think puck drops at four thirty. Um, but. 4:30 Eastern, very solid. 4:30 Eastern time. Um, not that you know, y'all matter on the West Coast. Um, yeah, but they've been playing some very solid hockey. Um, this, this is going to be their first really um, big test against a very, very good Harvard team. Um, 
you know, I, one thing that I mentioned in my preview is that the the thing that makes Harvard dangerous is they don't get a lot of chances, but when they do get, get their chances, there's nobody in the country that's quite as good as them as at making their chances count. They've got the best shooting percentage in the country, and it's not even close. Like it's, it's by like four percentage points, um, and that's with having like some of the like the worst. I think it's like the sixth worst Corsi, Corsi in uh, in uh, college hockey. Um, so the defense is definitely going to have their hands full when when Harvard's in the in the attacking zone. Um, and it's going to be. I think it's going to be. Um, you know, the, the the first really really big test of Spencer Knight. Um, you know, it, he's been really good these past six games, but at the end of the day. Um, this is going to be the first big test. Uh, I wish I was there for a winning hockey team. I feel like I was, I was duped. I was promised good hockey. And then I got one, one teasing year of it. And then it was just kind of down. Obviously don't want to talk about it. the wheels have totally lost this team in the last two games. Um, they lost a horrendous game to DePaul, um, which I don't really know how to describe it besides, like, no one deserved to win the game. BC ended up deserving to win it a little bit less. They could not play on-ball defense to save their lives. And then they lost to St. Louis because they gave up a 21 to nothing run to start the second half, which is what happens uh, when, you know. Like, it's hard to explain at this point why this team is as underperforming as it is. Uh, Derek Thornton has definitely sort of regressed. He's done, he's still dishing out a lot of assists per game, but he's just really, really up the turnovers and the turnovers aren't even necessarily those that are, you know, passing the ball into other hands. They're just travels and low effort passes and a lack of chemistry. And this team is just sort of, uh, I know they just look kind of lost. Um, so they'll have a chance to write it tomorrow against Richmond, but they basically have until the beginning of January, actually the end of January, they Duke um, on 1231. And then they have some softballs in between now and then, which for most teams should be a win. But uh, for BC, you just never know these days. So God bless. the. So I do have one question for you. Um, like going back to football for a second. Fire away. Steve Adazio. Steve Adazio, what does he what does he have to do? Like, what 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 do you see on the horizon for his future at BC? Um, I think if they do not fire Steve Adazio this year, um, which they have sort of set themselves up to with like the extension, and they've set themselves up for in all sorts of ways, and the team performance has also sort of set themselves up for that. If they don't fire him this year, they will not fire him until the wheels fully fall off and we are back sort of in the dregs of the Spaziani era. Um, it's my firm belief. They do not fire him this year. Whether he goes to be an offensive line coach or an offensive coordinator or running backs coach somewhere else, or he goes and becomes the head coach of Rutgers or all sorts of things, um, I'm not really sure. There's a lot of smoke around the Rutgers situation and whether or not, you know, is it a, is it a Shiano play to, for him to actually go there? 
I think he's gone. Some of the national guys think he's gone. I don't know who they replace him with. There's talk about it being Al Washington, which I have a lot of reservations about. I love Al, and I think that he's a great um, – he's a very risky hire, um, and I'm not sure how I feel about sort of a former Daz coordinator coming in. I know the players love Al. Al is a huge hit amongst the players. You know, that he's one of the highest energy guys on the field. Everyone um, – he loves BC, and I think BC loves him. I just question whether or not a defensive line coach – is the right hire for right now. Um, but I guess we'll see. I ultimately think on, I think that this is the end of the Adesio era. Um, and if it's not, I will never leave. That's my opinion. So here's my feeling on the situation. Um, I think tomorrow is going to matter a great deal because I think I think if they beat Pittsburgh and become bowl eligible, I think it's going to be very hard for them to let him go. So, and the reason for that is, you know, I I think there is certainly some merit to um, sort of some of the struggles that, um, let's put it this way. I think a ball eligibility is kind of where a reasonable baseline should have been for this team. Uh, I, th- I think if they make make a bowl, um, I think there's a compelling there's compelling information there to keep to keep him at BC. Uh, I think if I, I think if he wins, I think he's literally coaching for his job this weekend. I think if he wins, I think it, it's going to be very compelling for him to stay. I think if he loses, I think I think he lets kids let go. Um, I tend to agree with your assessment on Al Washington. Um, I, I'm kind of in the same boat with you. I like Al Washington a lot. Um, he just doesn't have a lot of experience towards the top of the the food chain in, in the, in the program, if that makes any sense. Um, but that's just kind of my feeling on it. Um, I, I I think he's to me he's somebody who, if they got rid of him, like being Steve Adazio going into this weekend, and they said, "Hey, Al Washington's going to be our interim head coach, and we're going to see how he does." I mean, that's a great way to sort of approach it, but because you can kind of see how the team reacts, to see how he handles it, and you know, who knows? But I, I just, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you on the, um, on that kind of issue, if, if that makes any sense. Yeah, but I'm very. He, I just, it, it, for what's worth, too, he's never been a like, unless I'm looking at this incorrectly, he's never been a coordinator, which, which is a big thing for me. And I understand, but I and I will also say there's been sort of a move away, and there's sort of a belief. I mean, he's been at the highest level for some time, and he's gotten some good jobs. And I do think that there's definitely an opportunity for him um, in the future. And here's the thing, Martin. If Martin is listening, and he thinks that 
Al Washington is his guy, go get your guy. Like, if you think that that is the guy that you want to bring in, I completely understand, and I can understand why you would believe that. Yeah, I don't it's think he's a bad hire. I don't think he's a bad and hire. Yeah. I don't think he's the right hire think, right now. I think Martin Jarman has proven that he, with his sort of his low-level hires, um, whether it be in volleyball, women's basketball, et cetera, that he's pretty good at identifying good coaches. And so I think, to me, whoever he hires will have my utmost. Um, he's been very good at sort of getting guys, I think, getting the right coaches into BC. Um, and sort of the lower level, not big three sports, if this is his first chance to make a, a splash at that level, I'm all aboard. I think it's a great thing. And I ultimately trust his judgment. I have trusted it from the beginning. I still trust that if that is what it takes. Um, and if Zibadazzi ultimately is not fired, then I presume it's because Martin probably had some ideas of who he wanted to sent out and basically was told, nah, I'm not interested in that job. Um, and so that's why you kept Steve Adazio. If, if, if Steve Adazio is retained, um, that would be my opinion. So I guess my only fear of, I guess I, and I guess my biggest fear about Al Washington um, is that, is he being hired for budgetary reasons? Because a, mm defensive sort of coordinator slash D-line coach would be cheaper than hiring, you know, um, say a successful Mac coach or a offensive coordinator from another power five school. Um, right. As you go deeper, you're taking more of a risk, but you're also cheaper. So yeah, I guess we'd see. Um, I guess we see, I trust everything. And uh, also Virginia just took a, 33 to 30 lead over Virginia Tech, which means they're about to lose in the most heartbreaking way possible. So, uh, love that. Anyways, yeah, um, I trust I trust Martin Jarvin's judgment. He's he's earned that so far. Um, whether retention or firing and hiring, um, more power to him. Yeah. Yep, I, I, that's, that's kind of my feeling on it. Um, do you have anything else? No, Misi is not getting Urban Meyer, and they're not getting – they're not pulling um, Joe. Like, they're not getting Joe Moorhead. Um, there's a lot of places I think Moorhead would rather go than BC, and I don't. he doesn't really have any ties to BC as far as I know. Um I can see him going to run. Yeah, I mean, he's from yeah, he's from Pittsburgh. He played at Fordham. Yeah, he's not. I don't think he's coming to BC anytime soon. Um, so that's it. Yeah, I mean, like you, you saw what he said too um, after the egg ball last night, which uh, obviously won't talk about here. But uh, other than to say, it was. Ridiculous, <laughs> but um, he he basically his exact quote was, um, "I'm not leaving here. You're gonna have to take my Yankee ass out of out of here." Um, and that's a, great, that's a great quote. Yeah. So uh, it sounds like he doesn't want to leave. So, um, and I, I I would honestly be surprised if Mississippi State decides to let him go. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, exactly. So with that, uh, y'all go enjoy the rest of the holiday season. Uh, we'll be back next week, hopefully. With, uh, I hope with a simultaneous win over Pittsburgh and also Steve Adazio has been fired one. Um, I don't know which one I'd rather have if I can only choose one. So we'll leave that. Uh, we won't even think about that. So have a great thanks and stay safe, y'all. Stay safe, y'all. Yep. Enjoy enjoy the games that are currently going on, and yeah, uh, go Eagles. Eagles.